0: stories from around the corner
1: and
2: around the country
0: you're listening to all the best
2: proudly supported by the art gallery of new south wales
3: you're listening to all the best from fbi radio 94.5 i'm madura prakash before we get into this week's stories i'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that i'm recording from stolen gadigal land and pay my respect to Gadigal elders past and present. And also recognize that the area where FBI radio is situated, Redfen, has long been a place of storytelling, strength, resistance, and resilience for First Nations communities. This week, we're playing two more stories from the Black Snapper International Audio Competition. Black Snapper is dedicated to showcasing, fostering, and celebrating audio creations from young emerging creators. From empowering and thought-provoking narratives to whimsical and unconventional creations, they highlight the immense creativity of young storytellers on both local and global stages. First up, a college email catastrophe. On the 9th of October, 2014, students at University College London received an email from their provost via the all students list. It consisted of a single word, bellow. Soon students discovered that everyone was able to reply all to the initial email and have their message sent to UCL's 40,000 strong student body. Unsurprisingly, chaos ensued.
0: It was definitely after 10 p.m.,
1: I was kind of in the habit of doing
2: university emails quite late at night. We get a ping on the email system, oh let's have a look at that.
0: I was like, well that's not right, this is a test email that has gone wrong.
4: My flatmate came and got me and told me I should see what was happening.
2: The provost had sent an email to every student at the university and it just said, hello. Everyone sort of thinks, well, that's strange.
4: It's very, very unlikely that someone gained access to the Provost's account to do this. It's much more likely, I think, the email was spoofed. I like to think that they didn't think about what to write. They were staring at that sort of blinking cursor, and the first thing to come to their mind was bellow. And they knew immediately that was something you just hit send on. Unless it was the Provost, that's the other option.
1: Is it supposed to be hello mistyped, or is it supposed to be the word bellow without a W?
4: Yeah, so to me, it's bellow. It goes bellow.
2: Bello! Just a very jaunty, like, hey Hello! Bello!
5: Throwing a grenade into a melbond. bellow, Boom! Kablam! Chaos!
1: The replies began almost instantly.
5: It was an open list, so if anybody sent it an email, every student would then get it.
4: There were just sort of dozens of emails coming through to my phone that were all just, like, sheer confusion.
2: Can you take me off this list?
5: Unsubscribe me. Can everyone see this?
2: Hey, stop emailing me. I don't think you mean to send this to me.
4: Leave me alone. This is childish. People who read didn't understand what was going on.
0: Honestly, some of my favourites were the people, like, very crossly saying, please don't reply all, and using the reply all function. It was very much the energy of, like, you're in primary school and... Everyone is shushing each other and the power of the mutual shush is deafening.
2: No one quite knew what was going on. But then we were in first year, no one quite knew what was going on anyway.
4: My favourite one is someone just responds all says, I thought I'd take this unique opportunity to introduce UCLU hockey club president Matt Wilde and just upload a picture of this guy. So good.
1: I loved how there was this anarchy that emerged initially, tentatively, and then in a very all-out way, and a sense that the powers that be, the university, had sort of lost control.
0: I ended up staying up really late, watching it unfurl. Everything that people can dredge up from the corners of the internet is going in everyone else's inbox. It sort of blurs into this undifferentiated slurry of, like, collective bananas-ness.
2: Bello, is it me you're looking for? The funniest ones, the ones which start
1: by sounding official and sounding like this is the IT team telling everyone that it's going to be fine, but then they're just referring back to some porn-related joke. It just
2: did not stop, like, the whole night. By the morning, it was in the thousands, for sure.
5: It was suddenly 910, 915, 930, one after the other. And I just thought, this down has broken. I'm going to drown in these emails. It was scary.
0: I'm sure it felt very targeted and personal for people who didn't already have like 10,000 unread emails in their inbox. But for me, it was just like, yeah, it's just Tuesday.
4: The majority of the responses were people responding below. You know, they, they wanted to say below back. And I think that's nice.
2: It just keeps going and going and going. It is a flood of emails.
5: As soon as you got a normal email, twenty-five bellow ones were coming with it as well.
4: When you go on like a school trip or something when you're a kid and everyone starts giggling, it was like that, but thirty thousand people in an email list. Clearly doing it late at night, they were doing it at a time where like, you know, it was perfectly designed to, to go on as long as possible.
0: I salute into the wind like I must email something. Like, I must contribute to this. And I know there's no way that I can possibly accommodate the depth and breadth of my ambition right now.
1: I have a very robust, don't reply all uh, reflex. Probably I'm just like too repressed. I felt very much like a spectator.
0: This is such an internet deep cut. A politician named Ed Balls mistook the Twitter tweet function for the Twitter search function and tweeted out his own name. So Ed Balls tweeted out Ed Balls. I just thought I would email everyone saying Ed Balls. I hope to kind of wave across the barricades to people that I personally knew would find that funny.
4: It's very easy to shut down one of these mailing lists, you know, it just means it was completely ignored. Why wake someone up because their lows were flying?
2: There were sort of ebbs and flows, there was the odd period when it would sort of die down a bit and you think, oh maybe it's over, and then someone realises, oh I can do something else silly with this now. They can take all students at ucl.ac.uk and they can sign that up to anything they like.
0: You have been subscribed to j You have been subscribed as like a regular
5: patron of Coventry Meerkat Centre. XXX, huge arse, penis extension, lesbian lovers. My inner sanctum had been penetrated by the artists of Bello. I'm sex-positive, but not, you know, in my email unsolicited. Thank you very much.
4: It was a moment, really. You know, the, the, the best part of it was at the beginning. Uh, uh, and people got tired of it. It was hard to tell whether it had ended or people had just stopped responding.
0: We'd collectively run out of steam, run out of potential email lists.
2: Eventually, someone manages to pull the plug. I felt that that was inevitable, that
1: like the authorities were going to sweep in and quash the uprising. It was sad in a way. It's like going back to school after a snow day or something.
2: There were so many emails by the end of it that if anything useful was sent to anyone during those few days, it's gone.
1: The university this very slick corporate machine and students who are sort of coming into early adulthood and uh, relating to it with maturity, and then that just descends into childlike schoolyard chaos. That sense of anarchy it was pretty fun and to be celebrated.
2: As far as I know, no one ever found out who sent the initial email, or at least they never told us if they did. It felt like a perfect crime.
5: It was very devilish. I don't know what their motivation was to this day.
0: The institution sent strange managerial emails in the days following being like, the error has been corrected and it will not happen again. We're like, did you, did you kill him? Like, that's a lot of euphemism.
4: They put one thing out there and allowed everything to, to flood in. The core of it being just the word bellow. It was so stupid. The minimal joke required to make people laugh.
2: It was a strangely unifying experience. It became part of the consciousness.
0: I hope you say that I did it. Listen, I'll give you some good coffee. I did bellow. I am bellow.
4: It was unmissable. I'm sorry to everyone that wasn't there. You can't bellow forever.
3: That story was produced by Nadia Mehdi. Are you a fan of All The Best and want to support our work sharing unheard stories from around the country? Head to your podcast app and hit subscribe, or give us a rating or review. Not only does it help others discover All The Best, but it also gives us a chance to hear from you. After being diagnosed as autistic as an adult, Kieran looks to his past, with the help of friends and family, to make sense of what it means to be autistic in an unforgiving, neurotypical world.
6: Kieran, you said you wanted to um, talk
7: to us about something. What's no. going on? Um... Ugh, come on, Kiran, get to the point already. Look, I know you struggle with this sort of thing, but it needs to be done. I will reach down your throat and yank the words out myself if I need to. Basically, um, come on, while we're young. After like a while of thinking and yeah, come research, on, come on. get a move on. Uh, just say it already. Come on. I've got in contact. Look, with, you're running out of um, words at this point. You may like as well just place, say it. And I'm working on. Say the word. Um, Organising. Come on, do it, you coward. Uh, assessment for autism. There's an old Disney short called Lambert the Sheepish Lion. It was made in 1952 so I'm going to assume you haven't seen it. It's about a lion brought up by a herd of sheep. Lambert thinks he's a sheep too and tries so hard to fit in with the others but he can't understand why the other sheep leave him out and make fun of him all the time. The sheep know that Lambert is different but as they don't recognise a the lion they can't explain why. Lambert is just not one of them. Now, I don't think that 1950s Disney was intent on making a short film about autism, but it is a surprisingly apt representation of my life growing up. Weirdly enough, my brother was diagnosed autistic when we were kids, so when I brought it up to my parents, supported as always by my partner Chloe, it's not like I was expecting them to deny it or be unsupportive. Their reaction, though, was not quite what I had in mind. Good.
6: Good idea. Good. Good. I don't suppose it really helps if I say... I kind of thought that for quite a while.
7: How quite a while are we talking? Since you were a teenager. Was it not worth bringing up?
6: (laughs) That's a good question. I put a lot of that down to the fact that you learnt all your speech by speech and language a leftover from you having been deaf and a leftover from you having had to learn all your speech and everything. Hence, you know, I don't know how old you were when you said to me on one occasion um, that you thought you had a bit of what Josh had. And I think the reason why we went down that route with Josh is because I was on a course on ASD and I sat there and went, yeah, that's Josh, that's Josh, that's Josh. But Josh was so classically, you know, somewhere on that autistic spectrum, which is why we investigated. Sure, he was um, exactly
8: yeah. like what you heard of on the course, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, yeah, you yeah, know,
6: yeah, right?
8: yeah, 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 yeah. Josh was actually called disruptive
2: at his um, nursery school. Then I did my teacher training, what, 30-something years ago. No, we didn't do anything whatsoever about special needs at all at any time. And the only training I had was probably about 10 years
7: ago. Well, so that's why I slipped off the radar. And the sad thing is, it is something that so easily happens with a lot of autistic children. We don't tick the correct boxes, so we get discounted. My brother Josh and I have always been really similar in terms of personality and interests, yet we've never actually talked about our life experiences before. If we had, <sighs> maybe I would have thought about it sooner. Autism training oh well, better late than never. And then she was like, "Oh, hang on, tick, 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 tick. Let's go get Josh tested."
9: <laughs> yeah. And maybe you slipped under the radar on some questions.
7: She did mention that, like, you were a lot more of a wild child compared to me. Wow (laughs) child. So I think it may have just been that like you were such a handful that by comparison that I was just like manageable. Wow. Thanks. (laughs) You did have quite a few troubles. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Mostly like band related as far as I remember. Band related. Yeah, like you they kept trying to kick you out of jazz band. Well all I remember from that was being told,
9: Oh yeah, this is usually for people who are year ten and above. And I was in 8 UH or something like that. I don't remember it ever explicitly being like coerced out or anything like that. Maybe it's just something completely over- <laughs> I completely overlooked. I
7: think you may not have noticed. Wow. Okay. Cool. <laughs> if they're trying to like say we'd prefer for you not to be here, and they're like, this is usually for people a little older, and you're like, oh, I'm no, it's all right. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. <laughs> oh. 'Cause like my, my memory of that is is a lot of like mum making like phone calls and going down just to say like if you kick him out it is discrimination. Yep, I completely missed that. Wonder what else I missed. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to work out now. It's like what did I miss?
6: <laughs> One of the things that Josh found really difficult as he was growing up was his social memory.
7: We remember the, the like the stupid details. But, like, who said what? We're like, I remember how I remember it. It might not be right. Yeah.
9: Like, when mum says stuff like, well, she remembers something explicitly and I have no memory of it, Um, yeah, trying to figure out if it did actually happen.
6: Unless a specific trigger was kind of there, he couldn't recall that memory.
7: I think the main arguments we had when we were younger, I think, were probably caused by that difference in memory. The one that sticks in my memory more is who bought the like the blackcurrant plants that are outside the patio.
9: I suspect we're still going to disagree on this to
7: this day. Yeah, because I bought them. <laughs> I bought them. They were from Poundland. I want to say.
9: Yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. That was going to be my next question. Where did they come from?
7: <laughs> yeah. So we were both there at the same point. Ah, Do you remember where in the shop? they were uh yes on the right wall kind of towards the back oh okay
6: yes your auditory memory may may be a bit on the wobbly side but your visual memory you know when you were all the way through growing up your visual memory was almost photographic you know if you see it written you know it and you remember it i mean that is phenomenal
9: yeah i mean this has been lost time so They were bought. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I've come to peace with it. I guess one good thing which has come out of this is that we both know that we have had a lot of the same experiences, but just, you know, didn't talk about it because
7: (laughs) we didn't talk about it. Memory is a funny thing at the best of times. But as you've seen in autistic people, it can be a microcosm of muddled misconception. And as you're about to hear from the founder of Salford Autism, Peter Bainbridge, there is a very, very good reason for that.
8: You probably recognise this as a brain. <laughs> what we're actually looking at is an active MRI scan of a normal person doing something simple. Doesn't matter what for this purpose. Thinking of, well, drinking a cup of tea. You've got to decide to do it, but it doesn't take much brain power. <laughs> That's the average autistic person doing the same thing. Interesting all its activity in the visual cortex, back here. Why have we got that going on if we're just drinking a cup of tea or whatever? Doesn't make sense. But it does speak to all the unprompted thoughts we get. What is that I the way all our senses can be means? mistuned, crosswired, you name it. So, this is basically what we're dealing with. Autistic people left to themselves are fine. It's the interface with the real world that causes the problems.
7: To put this in another context for you, just imagine you're on holiday. The sun is shining, you're minding your own business, when suddenly someone starts shouting in a language you don't understand. You don't know if they're angry at you or trying to alert you of something, or maybe it's something completely unrelated to anything that's going on. Yeah. That's what we're going through constantly, which is fine if you're surrounded by honest, trustworthy people who can translate for you. But having to rely on that trust makes us vulnerable, especially to those closest to us. And unfortunately, I have personal experience of this going terribly wrong. Come on, you can do this. Be brave. The months following Christmas 2019 were the worst of my life. They marked the breakdown of a relationship that I later realised had become toxic. I could feel something was off, but for the life of me I didn't know what. Things just kept getting weirder and weirder until I had what I now understand to be a full autistic meltdown. I was mentally and emotionally broken. I was crying out for help, and all I wanted was for her to tell me that everything was going to be okay. She told me that it was my fault, that I didn't have enough friends, that my total mental breakdown was putting too much pressure on her to support me, that it was my job to fix myself so that I didn't make her feel bad. And you know what? I believed her because I didn't know any better, because I was naive, because I trusted her more than anything. You know, autistic people tend to be phenomenal problem solvers, and I am no different. So, what happens when someone tells you that you're the problem? You try and solve it, don't you? You change your behavior, your personality. Your entire being into something that you think will fix things, but it just doesn't help. Because the truth of the matter is, nothing you do will ever make it better. Because you're not the problem. Being a victim of gaslighting like this is not exclusive to autistic people. But we are much more susceptible to being manipulated because we take people at their word. We trust that people are telling us the truth and it hurts all the more when we find out that we're just being
8: used. Most autistic people are just normal people that are a bit different. It's that bit different that causes everybody else to react against them. Very few people get onto Down syndrome people who are way different and do have particular problems. It's this... Minor differences problem that causes most of the difficulty. You look normal. Why can't you do this? Or why don't you do this?
7: With this in mind, is it any wonder that a large proportion of neurodivergent people suffer from depression and anxiety? Not because we're neurodivergent, but because we have to change our personality to fit in with a world that
8: is not built for us. We are the Apple Macs in the PC world. We're never going to be PCs.
7: We've talked a lot about the difficulties that I've experienced, which unfortunately is the context in which most people discuss autism. It tends to just be seen as a deficiency, but in reality it is just a different lens to see the world through, albeit one that 99% of the population don't have access to. Now, I realise that it can be difficult to see the sunlight through the clouds, especially when you're blind yourself. But remember when I mentioned surrounding yourself with people that you can trust. Welcome to the South. Hello. This is the South, is it? Yeah. Let me introduce you to Peter, who, aside from Chloe, is my best friend in the world. When we were at school together, we used to make comedy sketches. Think Monty Python, without the budget. Thomas Beckett? Did you ever watch the like the finished product of this?
2: I think I did.
4: Ah, the fruit. You will not take me from my God, the
2: <laughs>
7: Now, my intention here was to talk to him about my diagnosis <laughs> and get his opinion. S-
2: see, the weird thing is... <laughs>
7: <laughs> we had no issues just <laughs> smacking you as hard as we could with like a light <laughs> and so on. But when it came to fruit, we were like, really oh, oh, careful. But then I realised I didn't need it. I already had it. How long ago was all that? 40, like 14 years, maybe. <laughs> the thing is, I was autistic when we were at school together, and I'm autistic now. Peter has accepted me for who I am, without question, for the last two decades. So telling him really doesn't matter. <laughs> However, being diagnosed has allowed me to accept myself for who I am, which, strangely, brings us back to Lambert the Sheepish Lion. In the end, he accepts his true nature as a lion, while the rest of the sheep begin to understand his difference and let him into the herd. Granted, it's a bit fairy tale, and we don't see the bit where the sheep get mad at Lambert for eating one of the herd because no one told him he shouldn't, but you can't have everything. There will always be tough times ahead for the Lamberts of the world. So to my fellow lions, I leave only this message. You are not the problem. You are worthy. And you will find your pride someday.
3: That story was produced by Kieran Davis. Find out more about the Black Snapper International Audio Competition and discover a playlist with more shortlisted entries at www.blacksnapper.org. All the Best would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we make these stories and pay our respects to Elders past and present. All the Best is made at FBI Radio on Gadigal Land in association with SIN and 3RRR, on Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung lands and 8 on Orunde and Waramungu lands. The All The Best editorial manager is Mel Chun and Phoebe Adler-Ryan is our production manager. Our social media producer is Isabella Lee. Patrick McKenzie is our community coordinator. Shining Bird composed our theme music and Annie Hamilton designed the artwork. We're heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network and were made possible by the Art Gallery of New South Wales and the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can find our full archive of more than 500 episodes at allthebestradio.com. I'm Madura Prakash. Thanks for listening.